Today's episode of Recovery Survey is fueled by Brainwash Coffee Company. I'm sure you've heard that drug and alcohol use is on the rise, especially during the pandemic. And Brainwash Coffee Company is working to raise money and awareness to support people seeking help. They donate 50% of their profits and their mission is to give back to the amazing recovery community. Their why is bold and their coffee is fresh. So if you want to sip on an amazing brew that warms your mind, body, and soul, then visit brainwashcoffeeco.com and use promo code recovery survey at checkout to get $5 off your first order. Brainwash Coffee Company, simple coffee for complicated people. You're listening to Recovery Survey, the podcast that shatters stigmas around different types of addictions and takes a deep dive into spiritual principles. You know, and I would be in the bathroom doing drugs. I'd come out, I'd serve your table. You would tell me how great of a server I was. And I would disappear again into the bathroom. After you left, I'd come back out and I'd forge a credit card tip on your receipt. Again, showing how nobody mattered to me. I didn't care about the consequence. I just didn't care about anything. My guest today is named Brett Hoffman, and he is a person in long-term recovery. Welcome to the show, Brett. All right. Hi, Brett. Thanks so much for having me this morning. I'm really excited uh, to be here and participate in this with you. I'm glad to have you on today, Brett. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Uh, so a little bit about me, some of my background. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a big proponent in stating always whenever I speak with anybody about addiction, alcoholism, some of my past. You know, I do not believe any of my circumstances of my upbringing really played any particular part in becoming an alcoholic or a drug addict. The only thing I do believe played any part in any bit of it is what I was taught to believe an alcoholic was, right? So there was this, there was this person in my life, a family member who I was taught was an alcoholic. Uh, this person had no teeth, always had a cigarette in their hand and beer cans and chaos everywhere they went. So I was taught to believe an alcoholic looked like this. And, uh, you know, when I was 16 and called an alcoholic for the first time by my parents, I just, I could not get down with it. I laughed at them because I had my teeth. I had good grades. <laughs> I, I, I had friends, you know, I had none of those consequences. So I could not really get down with, with what it meant to be an alcoholic or a drug addict. You know, so I continued through my journey, really using, drinking, trying to escape uh, the reality that I was living in. I was a big proponent of believing that I wasn't the problem, everything else was the problem. You know, so I did a big uh, geographical changes a few times back and forth between the state of New York and the state of Florida. You know, and my drinking and drugging really caught up with me by the time I uh, was graduating high school and starting college. Um, I received a full scholarship for academics. I was uh, brilliant when it came to school. But I graduated high school with an alcohol bracelet on my foot because I had gotten two DUIs by the time I turned 18 and almost killed my best friend and uh, quickly lost that scholarship and really started to like see some of the consequences that drinking and drugging, you know, really played in my life. Uh, still up until that point, I, I kind of thought maybe I just had bad luck. You know, I, I kind of figured all of my friends should have at least one DUI. Everybody should have probably been arrested by once by now, you know, and this was my thinking. So I continued to do what I did, you know, wreak havoc and uh, jump back and forth between states, you know, not really having any conscious or, or, or 
frame of mind around like the people in my life that I was hurting. You know, there was a period of time I was up uh, in New York at the time and I was living with my sick grandmother and I was believing a lie that I was there to take care of her. Um, and in reality, I was, I was destroying her life slowly by slowly, you know, forcing her closer to the end of her life through all the stress and the chaos that goes along with active drug addiction and alcoholism. You know, it's the holiday season right now. And it's, uh, it's a, always a time of reflection for me based on, uh, all the holidays that I've ruined, looking through purses, taking anything I could gifts that weren't mine, you know, stealing the joy from those holidays from my family members and really just you know, living from a place of selfishness and self-centered, that really was how I lived my life. You know, and I won't bear all of the details that go along with alcoholism and drug addiction, you know, but to sum up some of what that was like, you know, I had stolen from everybody I could steal from in my family and friends, you know, whether it was money, time, emotions, sleep at night, whatever I could, I had stolen, you know, I had hurt employers, I had hurt friends. And I pretty much got to this point in my life where I would wake up, in the morning, so sick. And I would try to, to scrounge together whatever I had left from the night before so that I could put something in my body so I could physically get out of bed. You know, and then those thoughts would come rushing in. What do I have to do today? Who do I have to see today so that I can get what I need to get so I can show up for work at four o'clock? You know, I worked in restaurants uh, towards the end of my drinking and drugging because it was quick cash. And uh, I would do whatever I needed to do so that I could get to work okay to serve tables, you know, and I would be in the bathroom doing drugs, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, sweating, a mess. I'd come out, I'd serve your table. You would tell me how great of a server I was. I would tell you that I'm here every night, come back and see me because I never took a night off. And I would disappear again into the bathroom. After you left, I'd come back out and I'd forge a credit card tip on your receipt. And uh, again, showing how nobody mattered to me. I didn't care about the consequence. I just didn't care about anything. You know, and at the end of the night, I would drink with the people that I that I worked with, so I felt included. And then I would go home and uh, stick needles in my arms and do heroin and, and any cocaine, any drug that I could, until I pass out and came to the next morning. And this was my life at the end of my drinking and drug addiction. It was Groundhog's Day every single day. There was no difference. You know, I got to a point, I was 23, and for the first time in my life, I remember thinking, how am I going to do this for the rest of my life? Should I just go kill myself? Being a drug addict and an alcoholic, you know, the thought of suicide had come from time to time, but I think it more so came as a result of my situation, right? Of not wanting to feel withdrawals and not having what I needed. I don't think it was a real contemplation of, should I go end it all? But this day, you know, something was different. It scared me. It really scared me. That was just before Christmas. I got through Christmas, wreaked havoc. And a couple of days after Christmas, I woke up in a state, that same state of mind and, uh, you know, I put two and two together and I said, sick people go to a hospital. So I walked into a hospital local to where I live in New York. I had two garbage bags filled with clothing. So I'll never forget. The lady looked at me at the front desk like, what, what are you doing? What's going on here? And I told her, you know, I didn't know where I was going, but I could not go back to where I came from. You know, and that was January 5th, 2015. And, uh, you know, a couple of weeks shy of eight years sober, my life is forever different. My intention was not necessarily to get sober right? It was to change the circumstances of my life. I didn't want to feel the way I was feeling. I didn't want to live the way I was living, but I had, I really didn't know what sobriety was. You know, I had friends who would disappear. They would go to rehab. They would, they would go away for 30, 60 days. And then I'd run into them at the bar or the dealer's house with new sneakers, fresh clothes, a nice haircut. 
And, uh, you know, I thought it was like a timeout. You know, I did not have any real concrete examples of permanent sobriety eradication from drugs and alcohol. Against my own better judgment, thank God, sobriety is a real thing. You know, there are 12-step programs and fellowships out there that give you a design for a living that works when life gets tough. And, uh, you know, God willing, like I said, in a couple of weeks, I'll be celebrating eight years of continuous sobriety in my life today, you know, is beyond anything I could have imagined. I continuously, you know, surpass any thoughts I had for myself. And, and it's just truly, truly a miraculous life that I live today. And it's all because I understand what it means to be an alcoholic and a drug addict. And I didn't when I was 16, which is why at the beginning, I said the only thing that really matters to me is that belief system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I would be curious because you, you just mentioned that you had seen other people go to rehab and they basically were just having like a little time out and they'd come back with new clothes, new haircut, that kind of thing. So what was different for you when you went to that hospital? Did they connect you with 12 step meetings or what did that look like? And why do you think that it stuck for you when maybe it didn't for other people? Definitely. So I think what played a big part in that is, you know, I had nobody and nothing left. I was really at the mercy of whatever situation or opportunity was presented to myself. You know, I walked into that hospital to go to a detox I was transferred to a crisis center. I got into a state-run rehab because at the time, you know, I had insurance through my father. I had never been to to detox or rehab or anything like that. So they only would cover a detox. So they're like, we're not going to pay detox and rehab. You've never been a drug addict before, you know? So I got a real firsthand experience into the insurance world, (laughs) you know? So I, uh, when I was in there, you know, I was then given the option, you know, to go to a sober house. And I made a decision when I went in there that I wasn't going to try to control anything. I really, it was either end up where I ended up or go back to the streets. I had nowhere to go and nothing to take with me. Like it was the lowest point I had ever been in my life, somewhere I never thought that I would ever be. And today, you know, it's what I call and my, and my friends and us in this recovery program call, you know, that gift of desperation. I was desperate and willing to do anything. So I went wherever I was told to go and I did whatever I was told to do, you know, and uh, I got to that sober house after. And I think before I even knew it, you know, I was, I was sober like 90 days. Even at that point, even though I didn't have a full solution yet for the problem, you know, because I thought drugs and alcohol were the problem, which is a whole nother realm of sobriety, you know. So I thought as soon as I put the drugs and alcohol, my life would down, my life would get better, which it got a little bit better, but it didn't get better the way I thought it would get better. You know, I didn't have a solution to life. And for so long, it was drugs and alcohol. So I was really willing to do whatever. And I didn't have a family to go back to, you know, some of those friends you know, all their parents wanted was for them to go to rehab, you know, and again, I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, not enough education out there about really what it means to be an alcoholic and a drug addict. Um, So that's, that's what I think was a little bit different for me than some of those friends I referenced earlier. Mm -hmm. And I love the point that you just brought up about, you thought that once you put the drugs and the alcohol down, that everything was going to get better. My opinion is, I think that's why a lot of people go back out. They think I, if I put the substance down, my life is going to get better. And it does to a certain extent, some of the immediate problems may go away, but like you're talking about now, how do I deal with life? That's where recovery comes in. That's where doing the hard work and doing examining yourself, getting uncomfortable. That's where that starts to come in. But I think a lot of people get to that point where they've done the 60, 90 day rehab, whatever, and they don't feel as good as they think they should. And then it's like, well, screw this. I'm going to go back to using. 
no, that's definitely it. You know, and I was taught, you know, very early on from friends and people that I met in recovery, you know, I, I do attend a 12 step fellowship, you know, and I was given a solution that works, you know, um, and I was taught, you know, very early on that, you know, if I am to achieve the type of sobriety that I was, I was viewing firsthand from these people, you know, that I was, that I needed to find some type of power greater than myself that would keep me sober, you know, and I was given the roadmap on how to get there through, through a 12 step program, you know, and I was told that if I did this, the way it was outlined, that as a result of it, I would find a, a power greater than myself, that would be my solution, you know, and I didn't really believe, or not even necessarily believe, but understand what that meant when I got here. I couldn't even comprehend a life without drinking and drugging, you know, let alone really comprehend the spirituality and the, and these, these things that are promised and spoken about, you know, so I was taught that I didn't need to believe in order to start, you know, and that as a result, I will come to believe. I, I'm really grateful for the people that I came in to sobriety with because I was given those little truth bombs that I could grasp onto, you know, and I, and I could work with that for today. And tomorrow I would hear something different and it would build upon the spiritual perspective that I was gaining and this really perspective of my life, you know, that would allow me to take the rocks out of the backpack that I carried around my whole life. That mentality of if you had my life, you would drink and drug the way I did too. You know, that woe is me, that victim mentality. And I think that was really uh, crucial and critical into, into that early sobriety, right? Because that's really that, that key and that pivotal, that pivotal time. Uh, for anybody seeking sobriety through a fellowship or just abstinence from drinking and drugging and really seeking a life that, you know, we're speaking about today. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like I had the experience with both because when I first started, I was trying to do it solo and I wasn't very successful at it. And then I found a 12-step fellowship and was introduced to some of these ideas. And then it felt like it became attainable because a, I could see other people that had done it for multiple years. And so I knew that it was working for somebody. And like you mentioned, then I had this roadmap that's telling me like, here are the things that I need to do if I want to get to where these people are. And it just made the recovery process. I don't want to say easier because it, it wasn't necessarily easy, but it, it made it easier in the sense that there was, some instructions and there was some structure and there were people that were willing to help me. And, and that was new too. I wasn't used to structure. I was used to doing whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted. I feel like your story and my story were, were very similar. You know, at the end I was delivering pizza cause it was easy money. It was money at the, yeah. it was getting money every day, that tip money. Yep. And it was just like, it was so easy to be in that industry and, and be using because it was just like a constant cash flow. So yeah, I mean, I relate to your story so much, and I feel like our our paths were very similar. You you just mentioned something, you know, where where it seemed like attainable for the first time, right? And I think what what was so important for me, right, was when I got to that twelve step fellowship and I met like minded people that that I was able to believe what they were saying was because you know one of the first things I learned I was taught a belief, right, of what it means to be an alcoholic, you know, that like, once I start, I can't stop. And I'm abnormally different than people who do not classify as a real alcoholic, right? Because for so long, my family, my grandmother, you know, who I loved so much family members, tried to remind me like, Brett, you are so smart, you're so handsome, you have friends, you're a good person. Why do you drink the way you drink? Why do you do this to yourself? You know, and, and those questions that so many of us, I'm sure, have been asked if you really identify as, as an alcoholic and a drug addict, 
you know, and being able to understand what that meant and then be told, you know, if this is you, this is what we did. It really solidified that belief for me that, well, why not? Why shouldn't I give it a try? You know, and I can't even tell you, you know, what the belief of that, right? And what, what I thought my life would be without drugs and alcohol, you know, had I wrote it down on paper when I got here compared to what it is now, I would have sold myself short 20 times over, you know, my life today. And, and it's crazy. It says, you know, how we obsess over drugs and alcohol, right? Like that is, that is what I did. Everything I did, no matter who I hung out with, where I went, who I answered to, everything in my life was associated with drugs and alcohol. And what we can do when our mind stops obsessing over drugs and alcohol is, is miraculous. You know, I said, uh, I shared with you, I was 23 when I came in to the rooms, you know, and, and, and started to seek out this sobriety journey, you know, and I was, I was kicked out of college. You know, I lost my scholarship. I was kicked out of college, you know, as I should have been, you know, I had every, every, every reason to be kicked out of college, you know, and when I got here, I really wanted to be successful in life. You know, I knew what it was like to have nothing. You know, I remember there was a point in time walking the streets, looking for cigarette butts, trying to find somewhere to live a couple dollars, you know, like that was my picture of, of life before I started to get sober or tried to attain sobriety. And, uh, you know, since coming into the rooms, I've, I've gotten my bachelor's degree. I've graduated with my master's degree, and I'm currently seeking a doctorate degree in healthcare administration. I'm continuously reminding myself, like, what alcoholics and drug addicts are capable of when that obsession to drink is shifted towards something else and we're given this gift of sobriety, right? And and it's truly a miraculous thing how we can shift that perspective and work towards more attainable things and just and really have a full recreation of life, you know, and it's, it's really is such a beautiful life today. And I love that you shared with us some of those gifts and some of the things that you've achieved in recovery, because I think it's so important to remind people that, like we've said already in this episode, like there's so much more to recovery than just putting down the drugs and the alcohol. And you were talking about selling yourself short if you had written down a list of all the things that you hoped you would get in recovery. And I, I agree with that a hundred percent, man. Like my life today looks nothing like what I thought it would look like. <laughs> and it's so much better than what I thought it could be. But yeah, if I had written down a list, it would have been like, it would have been real, real short. And, and I would have achieved that stuff so quick, man. Cause my list would have been like, get my driver's license back, get a car yeah. and like just yep. some real basic stuff. And that stuff happened a long time ago, man. And now it's like, I got a wife, I got a kid, I got another kid on the way. Like all these miracles, yep, all these yep. blessings. Like <laughs> I get so excited when I talk about recovery because it truly is life changing. And it's just amazing the opportunities that we have once we, once we put the drugs and the alcohol down and then do the work on ourselves and begin to repair some of that internal damage and stuff that we've done and, and begin to learn how to live this new way of life. I think that's the key is not only learning those spiritual principles that we learn in our meetings and in our literature, but then learning how do I put those into action? How do I live out what I'm learning? How do I, how do I live that out and, and, be a better person. I know it sounds kind of silly to say be a better person, but you know, that's, that's what I'm trying to do today. You know, I'm trying to live a better life. I'm trying to be a better person. I'm trying to be a better husband, better, better father, better, better son, better than, than previously. Yep. No, that's congratulations. Number one on, on another child on the way, the marriage, like it's, 
it's I, I echo the same sentiment that you shared. You know, I get so excited about this stuff, and I and whenever I speak and I share, I always say like, you know, I could literally speak about this stuff forever because like sobriety, spirituality, all of this revolutionized my life. I should be dead at least five times over. There, I, I can recall instantly five times where I woken up with a gasp. You know that gasp I'm mm. talking about when you come to in the morning. You know, not knowing of what happened the night before, and now. You hit the nail on the head in, in what I align myself with and, and those who are like-minded like us working towards sobriety and all these things. It's, you know, it's really about the relationships in our life today. Alcohol and drugs is a symptom of my problem. You know, I'm a self-centered person and, and, I, and I put myself first and I don't like to feel, so I do drugs and alcohol. And, uh, you know, the rest of my program and the rest of what I do is about mending and working towards these relationships in my life, right? The relationship with myself, the relationship with the higher power. You know, I call it God today. It's simple. You know what I mean? I know what I mean when I say, it. you know, and then those around me over the course of the last eight years, you know, there were some relationships that, you know, you heard, you know, I burnt the bridge. You know, I didn't burn the bridge. I, I, I blew the bridge to pieces that it was, it was not repairable. New bridges had to be created and built with different foundation in my life today. And I'll share some of those relationships, you know, I mentioned my grandmother, you know, I lived with her before I got sober and I had stolen a lot of money from her. And I really, my grandmother was an amazing person and she really tried to get me to see that there was more to life than drugs and alcohol, you know? And uh, when I went into ho the hospital to try to get sober, when I walked into that emergency room, my grandmother actually ended up moving a couple of days later to Florida. And I was not, I had no contact with her for a long time, you know? And, uh, about after a year, you know, I would write letters to her old address thinking she's a normal person. She forwards her mail, right? So I'll just send letters and hopefully she'll get them. And one day, about a year later, I got a letter, you know, and it was my typical Italian grandmother. Brett, I've gotten your letters. I don't know if I believe you, right? And she, she had no reason to believe me. Mm. You know what I mean? I had been a con artist my whole life. It's crazy when you get sober. I remember even thinking at 30 days, like I'm 30 days sober. Like everybody should be speaking to me. You know, like we forget the years of damage that we put in. And we think like, you know, as long as it took to walk into the forest, it's going to take even longer to walk out of the forest. After a while, I had a chance to build this relationship back with my grandmother, you know, and unfortunately she died just before my third um, anniversary in sobriety. And, you know, I was there with her. I flew to a separate state and I held her hand as she passed away, you know, and there were family members who were not able to be in the room when she passed away for their own reasons. And I just remember thinking, what an opportunity and how grateful I am that I can be so selfless in this moment that this isn't about me. You know, this is about my grandmother and that this alcoholic drug addict was that comfort for her in her final moments. You know, like that is just one example of the things that sobriety has given me that nobody could have even put into words or, con or conceptualized would be a possibility by trying to get sober. You know what I mean? Like my mind had just been focused on having a relationship with my grandmother you know, let alone that type of relationship, you know, and that's something I'll keep with me for the rest of my life. And it was me who, who spoke at her wake, you know, who, who, who wrote her eulogy, who stood up there in front of people. And I'll share with you, you know, I got up there to, to speak at her wake and to read this eulogy that I wrote for her. And I was hysterically crying, you know, and I remember I paused and I looked up and no joke, Brett, when I say 75% of the people in that room were people I had met in sobriety who never met my grandmother, but had listened to me speak about this relationship with my grandmother for the three years prior that showed up for me to be there for me. 
And that was a whole nother concept that I didn't even realize, you know, about sobriety that takes place with these like-minded people and individuals who really, as we just stated before, it's really about, you know, these relationships that we build in our lives today, you know, it's miraculous stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like I have a, a similar story to that as well, man. I, my, my grandfather's funeral, there were so many people there from, from my recovery fellowship and it was just so I, I was so moved by it, man. Cause my, after the, after the service was over and my mom's like, who are all these people? Cause they were all way too young to have probably been friends with my grandfather. And it's like, they're here for yep. me. Like those are, those are my people. And so yep. grateful that they're here to support me. And, and yeah, I love, I love what you touched on. And, and I think it's important too to talk about just all the, the wreckage and the damage we do because we're, we're so self-centered and we only think about ourselves and we don't realize all the lives that we're affecting in our addiction until, until we get that, that fog lifted. And then we can start seeing like all the wreckage, all the, all the harm that we've done to other people. But the beautiful thing about recovery is that then we're given those tools to start to make those amends and start to rebuild those relationships. And like you said, sometimes we got to rebuild that bridge completely because we've just totally bombed it and we just have to start from from ground zero and just start over but it's just it's such a wonderful thing and i know if if somebody is listening and they're new in recovery they're thinking like how am i ever gonna be able to rebuild these relationships how am i ever going to be able to fix this like i've done so much damage but you know you and i are at about the same spot like i'm coming up on eight years as well and fantastic and i can see these all these relationships have been restored man like my relationships with my family are a thousand times better than they were before. And I never thought that I would be able to, you know, heal and, and rebuild those relationships. So I think it's important to, to just to bring that up, you know, and let people know that, like you said, just cause I got 30 days, I was in that same boat. Like, Hey, I got 30 days. Like I'm a great person again. Like, why aren't you guys talking to mm -hmm. me? Like, look at all the work I'm doing, but it takes time. And I think that's an important thing to, to, to bring up and, and let people know, especially if they're early on in the journey, like it takes time. Good things take time. It takes time for us to mend those relationships. And like you also mentioned, if you're anything like either one of us, people are going to, people are going to think you're full of it because you've done this before or, or you've lied mm -hmm. and you've manipulated. Like you have to continue to live out that recovery and show people that it's not just, it's not another con. You gotta, you got, they, they, they've yeah. lost a lot of faith in you and it takes a lot for them to then believe like, Oh, this is legit this time. Yeah. And I would even say it's like once it's legit, right. As you stated, it's like, you know, I have friends, you know, I see my family, my family lives in different states, they're all over, we get together, you know, they care about childhood friends that I've had. And it's always topic of conversation, you know, how so and so doing? Are they sober? Are they still doing this? And, and, you know, I'm not, I'm not the end all be all, I don't know how everybody's doing and how I've kind of summed it up with my parents. And this is like, what I would say for newcomers and everything too. It's almost it's to the point where I say to them, do you ever ask if I'm still sober? And they say, no. And I say, so that, that tells you, I said, if you need to ask, you have all the evidence that you need there. You know, my parents see me, they talk to me. They're not asking me every day if I'm sober, if I, if I drank today, if I did this sobriety becomes you, you know, it, it speaks through you. It lives through you. Like I, a sober person, I'm sure you can contest it. We're completely different people than the people that not even before we started drinking and drugging, we're, I'm, I just live by a different set of principles today. You know, I, I live with integrity. I try 
to be honest, as, as much as I can. And I try to be the best version of myself where I would say even before drinking and drugging, that wasn't even, that wasn't a thing. I just went through life doing what I needed to do so I could get what I needed to get at times, you know? And I think once you become sober and once people see it, it's no longer a question. You know, it, it just, it lives through you. They see it, you demonstrate it, you personify sobriety, right? And what a beautiful thing that is. Mm. Mm, yes, I agree a thousand percent, man. Like, like you said, living by this new set of principles, like it's easy to tell. And and I was having a conversation last night. Like, it's easy to tell who's going into a meeting for an hour and and speaking well and and you know doing all that, and then who's actually living the program, who's putting in the work, who's who's you know taking the principles and and applying them in their life you know you can tell there's two different kinds of people and you can tell who's really doing the thing and who's not and i think that it's you know it's it's obvious to everybody who it is um but we're getting kind of towards the end of the time so i was going to see if you had any closing thoughts um if you want people to be able to contact you if you have any kind of social media or any any way for them to do that you can share that now yeah sure my name is my first name is brett b-r-e-t my last name is hoffman h-o-f-f-m-a-n I have a Facebook. I have an Instagram. I give um, sobriety the credit for everything that I am today. I don't necessarily hide the fact that I'm sober. Um, you know, it's it's the reason I am where I am today, and I have the things I have today, and I am the person that I am today is because I know what it means to be an alcoholic and a drug addict. So I don't discredit that ever. Um, and if there's ever any opportunity to help anybody, speak with anybody. You know, I'm always willing and able to do that as I'm taught through the program, right? I can only keep what I have by giving it away. And I think it's important to always know, like, our, our literature and, and, and what we do tells us, you know, no matter how far down the scale we go, we can see how our past can benefit those who are like-minded like us, you know? And it's the darkest of times can become our greatest asset, you know? And I take the memories and the pain through through drinking and drugging with me everywhere that I go. And today... It's the guiding force for everything I've achieved in my life. And I never would have believed that to be the case before I got here. So just have hope, have faith. If it works for me, if it works for you, you know, it can work for other people. You know, all we got to do is get out of our own way and believe that we believe, do what we do. And, you know, you'll have what we have. I just appreciate you coming on the show today, sharing part of your story, bringing that message of hope, man. I really, really do appreciate it. So thank you so much for coming on. Awesome. No problem. Thank you so much. And uh, congrats again on the newborn on the way. Uh, I hope you and your family a wonderful rest of the holiday season. Oh, thank you. Brett, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It was an absolute pleasure talking with you. And I know our conversation is going to help a lot of people. You've been listening to Recovery Survey. If you got anything out of today's episode, I'd ask you to please leave us a five-star review and share this episode with a friend. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can find us at recoverysurvey.com. You can listen to all of our episodes on the website as well as connect with us on social media where you can get previews for upcoming episodes.